What do you hope for on your deathbed? I saw you'd ask this question, actually. I yeah, I think it's an important one. I'm ha- I'm, I'll be content if I go today. Really? Yeah. Fucking hell, what an answer. Yeah. Do, do you... Some people say I don't regret anything. Yeah. Would you, would you say you regret... Nothing. Nothing at all? Not a single thing. You don't even use it as a, as a caution? No. Yeah. 15 years... There wasn't a day where I like skived off and took a day off and went missing. You were willing to disclose how much you sold your business for? There's a background to that story, but... <laughs> I just didn't feel it anymore. So I packed up and left, and I left a shit ton of money on the table. You think you've been quite lucky in the sense of who you've met along the way and what you've been taught? I believe in making your own luck. The harder I work, the luckier I get. You like that one? Yeah, yeah, he liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're driving a Ferrari or you're driving a Ford, just be nice great answers and uh we'll see you soon cheers mate hey everybody um just a word on our sponsors our sponsors at the moment are space made space made offer flexible workspaces throughout the uk they've actually got locations currently in city center bristol fitzrovia london swiss cottage london the strand london city center leeds london fields and obviously the place we're at the moment which is queen's park queen's park the loft to be exact um just a really big thank you at first because they've supported us from the start and it's been really, really appreciated. So to the guys that backed us and took the time to be willing to even speak to us, we really, really appreciate that. Their website is www.spacemade.co. So if you do have any interest about renting a, renting a private office, a permanent desk or even a hot desk, which is essentially a temporary desk in a nice, nice location, please do check out their website. You can actually get a desk for as low as around £200 a month, which I think considering the situation in London, how expensive it can be, it's, it's a really, really good offering. And also they do have an Instagram, which is spacemade.co. And in general, we will always put links and uh, in, with, uh, with regards to our descriptions and in, and in all of our platforms. So yeah, please do check them out. And Spacemade, thank you very much again. Uh, not bad, not bad. Um, not that I asked you how you are. Did I ask you how you are? You did. Okay, that fine. That was the first question. Okay, the and then I said, fa- so I said far, yeah, well, they get better, I promise. Good. Um, so the only mantra I could identify for you was business, property, and positive thinking. Yeah. <clears throat> how do you perceive positive thinking? I'll, t- I'll ask that because I think a lot of people hear positive thinking and they think, oh, well, you know, that's amazing. And then every time they think of a thought, if it gets negative, they get really d- sort of dissuaded. So could you elaborate on what you perceive as positive I can. thinking? It's a good question. It is very good, isn't it? Um, I guess, firstly, I would say I just find it that for me, I get that I am wired that way. So telling people to be positive isn't actually that simple. Because uh, if you naturally look at the dark side of things, glass half empty, that sort of person, then it is difficult for you to, you know, I guess the way that I would explain it is for me, I always see the positives. So I understand that the other side of the coin is someone always seeing the negatives. Um, the way I describe positive thinking is it takes work. Uh, the, the reason I kind of preach positive thinking is because I actually have to remind myself every day. Easiest example is, and I've sort of trained myself to do this over years and years and years, but when I wake up in the morning, first thing I tell myself is I'm going to have a good day. Because uh, I know that if you tell yourself you're going to have a shit day, you definitely will. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, to me, it's just about, as I said, seeing the positive side of everything. I mean... It's a no-brainer to me. You go into the to the right meeting, family environment, or anything with the frame of mind that this is going to be good and it's going to be fun. Then the like bad bits around the edges just get forgotten. You double down on the bits that are good. Obviously, for those that don't, that that doesn't come so naturally to. 
um, something negative can happen that can spiral you off. And I think it takes time and understanding. And it's not just about being positive because I want to be a happy person, but it's about how does it make me feel? Yeah. What decisions do I make when I'm in a good mood? Consistency as well, I think. Yeah, consistency, but consistency takes time. Mm. You can't just be consistent. You have to do it every day for a year. And then you can look back and say, I'm consistently positive. Yeah, and would you say it is as simple as... Like you said, do that first bit in the morning, and then it sort of evolves. It's a start. It, it elevates. It's like it's like running the first mile and then Absolutely. running five miles. I mean, look, if you look at the opposite to that, you wake up in the morning, it's dark outside, you say, oh, it's cold, I don't want to get out of bed, I'm going to have a shit day today. Then the first thing you bump into is this affirmation of something sh- shit, like your door's frozen closed, now your car won't start, everything's just terrible. Same morning you can wake up and say, oh, it's a nice morning, sun's out, you know, I'm up early. I've already like yeah, yeah. I mean, this is it's simple, but I think people don't understand how effective it is. Yeah, and it and it's sort sort of like. I mean, again, sort of, you, you know, you mentioned waking up early when it's dark. Now I know you've become quite a early riser, sort of five AM club sort of guy. This all connects. I mean, has does do you think that makes a considerable difference to you as a business person in the sense of how efficient you are and how almost intense you are with your morning routine? No, I think because you didn't do that always did I, you? I, th- I think what i enjoy and where i see kind of um evidence of all this is where i push myself out of my comfort zone so if you're within your comfort zone it's hard to identify whether it's good bad or indifferent mm. you know, it just is yeah. um when you push yourself out of your comfort zone then all of a sudden you can start to find these wins and the most difficult thing for me is getting up early in the morning so if i do that every day coupled with this kind of, as soon as I open my eyes, it's five past five. I hate getting out of bed at this time, but I'm going to do it. And by the time I've got out of the shower, I've already had my first win. You know, win the morning, win the day. Yeah, Some of these things have kind of resonated with me quite a lot. And I haven't done that forever. I've done that for quite a long time now, like a good couple of years. But I spent many years going to bed at five in the morning. Yeah. Many, many years. You did? Yeah. Did we ever do that together? Yeah. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, so you didn't do that before. So I guess the, the first business you had, you didn't really uh, sort of take these attitudes and these practices. You you were more just day-to-day, just get up, stand up, not, not po- that concentrated yeah. on exercise, these sort of things. And the only reason why I ask is because I think it's quite amazing in a way that I find it so hard to get things right unless I do the right morning routine. Mm. And, it's, and you had a business bef- and sold it pretty much before yeah. you really got into that side yeah, of your Yeah, I just wanted like improve on what I've done before. Mm. Like my whole purpose for getting up every day is to improve on the day before. You know, my relationship with my kids, my the business, everything that's happened bef- before now is irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant to me. Mm. Now, why I made those decisions and how I got to where I was, not part of my thought process. Just being able to um, kind of, I guess as a business owner, you're always problem solving. Mm. So it's always about and I, I, I spend my life making snappy, snappy, quick, quick, snappy decisions all the time. You, you know, you touched on, you know, no interest in the past, really, just moving forward. Yeah. Do, do you, some people say, I don't regret anything. Yeah. Would you, would you say you regret? Nothing. Nothing at all? Not a single thing. You don't even use it as a, as a caution? No. See, I no. find that interesting, because I, I personally think. There's nothing, and I've done some stupid shit in my life. As have I. There is nothing, not a single thing that I think, eh, I wish I could have done that differently. Just, why, why are you so? Because I wouldn't. Why, be making, why such strong conviction on because that? Because I think because I, I feel strongly that I wouldn't be able to make the decisions that I make today without the benefit of understanding 
not making the right decision, how that affected me and why I would want to do it differently again. So if you rub out the things that you've done wrong, the only way to learn how to get it right next time is to get it wrong at some point in the future. I'd much rather have got it wrong in the past yeah. and have that under my belt. And that's across the board in a business and life. Everything. Sense, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So listen, obviously, and you just can't change. You can't change that at all. You know, all I can change is what I do right now. Yeah. What I do for the rest of the today. Yeah. Even what I've done today is of no relevance to me. Yeah. Okay. Just a learning, just but, a but, lesson. But just learning, a, you know, valuing every day, but not not holding any mistakes too heavily, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell us about your business, what, your business now, how, like, what is it, essentially? It's um, called Tab, tabhq.com. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, I can. Um, <laughs> um, basically, we, we do a couple of things. We do two things, really. Um, we lend money secured on property. Mm-hmm. So bridging finance, but kind of bridging finance plus in that we do development finance, we do um, all different types of bridging loans. So bridging loan is basically a 12 month mortgage. So short term mortgage, and we bridge the gap between people needing some money right now, having a plan for how they're gonna repay you, um, but we fill this gap in between. It's pretty much what I've done most of my working career, the previous business that you mentioned I sold. Um, so I had the opportunity after two years of non-competes, meaning that I couldn't do the same thing again, yep. um, to start again. And it's taken a couple of years, but I've definitely got the bug back for lending and more importantly, building a team. You know, I went from building a team of people, selling that business and kind of everyone went with that business. Um, so I lost the kind of team that I'd built and the culture that we were trying to create. So this time around, I feel strongly that that's not going to happen. Um, I want to kind of keep it under my ownership, and, yeah. um, but I've hired some incredible people that really are part of the Tab family, which we talk about all the time. <clears throat> and it's rewarding to get up every day and go and hang out with people that care about the business and about the brand and what we're doing and why it's important. Um, so number one is we lend money. Um, number two, the future is that we um, plan to allow people to own property together. So kind of crowdfunding type situation. Um, so if 10 people buy a property together, they each own 10% of that property. Mm. Anybody that owns 10% is entitled to 10% of that property's net income. And it's a way to own property without mortgages, without debt, without agents and solicitors and all the kind of problems that I've seen um, in my experience of buying and selling properties, which I have a fair amount of experience um, from all different ways. So just, I guess, through my learning of how, where I feel these problems are, I feel that there's a solution that the next generation can own income producing property without having to pay a lawyer a thousand pounds before they even start the process. Yeah. As well as providing debt for a long time, I also think there should be another way to own property. Property shouldn't just be reserved for those that have a big deposit and are able to borrow large amounts of money. So I want people to be able to diversify more and I want people to be able to trade in and out of property in a similar way to how they do in the stock market. And now you combine to art, wine, gold, cars, all these different asset classes without actually having to buy a gold bar and put it under your bed, which is what you would have done in the old days. So opening up real estate investments to everyone um, is the second thing. And I guess the bit that brings it all together is that they're all funded by um individual people with their own cash so we don't have any debt or mortgages or um, anything on the loans or property we uh, as, a, as a company as a company okay yeah. do you think 
do you think you're doing something that's particularly unique or you're more concerned with just being the best amongst a crowded market? I think it's a good question, actually. I think, I mean, the size of the prize, if you like, is infinite. I mean, yeah. there is no shortage of real estate and sure. people that want to buy property. What I've, my career, what I've focused in is bridging loans, which is this kind of, you know, if bridging loans is this table, then property is the whole of London, mm-hmm. you know, as far as size of the opportunity is concerned. Um, so having built up this track record and, and given positive res- returns to investors for so long, kind of two billion pounds of transactions that I've been involved with personally, um, I think there's an opportunity to do this now. Um, I'm doing it very differently to how I would see my peers in the space. So what I've seen people do until now is raise a load of money, kind of tech startup, go out, raise money and um, start spending your name out as far and wide as you can. I'm spending all of my own money building this technology, um, which we've built and we are live. So now all of our investors, whether they own property or loans, can come to tabhq.com. They can look at their portfolio of investments, see how much income they're earning, and look at all the new opportunities that are becoming live. And I think as far as your question is concerned, I think nobody owns this space yet. So there is no kind of iPod of fractional ownership and property. Like when I started lending money, online banking didn't exist. You couldn't log on on your phone and check your balance in your bank. You can set up your direct debits, change your direct debits, pay your friends, that just didn't exist. Um, so just within my kind of short 15 years of, of working, these things have changed dramatically. Um, and I see that changing more and more and more. So I believe I'll look back at this podcast in 10 years and be like, I was talking about fractional ownership with MBS in um, Queen's Park. And you know now it's everywhere. That it, it will be part of your Revolut account. It will be part of your Hargreaves Lansdowne account. You'll be able to own property without having as much to as you can own a tenth of a Bitcoin or something like that. Bitcoin yeah. or any stocks and shares, or you can invest in um, startup companies through Kickstarter and all this sort of stuff. The only mm-hmm. thing that I, I believe hasn't been cracked is real estate. And then absolutely, we want to be the best. I mean, we want to be the most trusted partner we want to be transparent with everything we do we want to be open to scrutiny so somebody should be feel free to knock on the door and start thumbing through our files and you know i want to kind of share what we're doing because i feel a as i said the market is big enough and b i want us to build trust with the people we're buying property from the people that we're allowing to invest in property all of our clients customers peers contemporaries want you know i expect us to be the best and on the point I was making before, we're not the best yet. You know, we know we're not the best yet. There's loads of things we don't do. Parts of the site don't even work properly yet. But we're conscious of that. And we're on this journey where we build, measure, learn. <coughs> so build something, give it to people, ask them for feedback, and then tweak it and get it right. And I think, I guess what excites me about Tab and the way that I see it going is that will continue forever. Yeah. Till, and when that stops, I'll get bored and do something else. But you, you, you're leaning towards the sort of legacy business with this one at the moment in your head? Um, I'm leaning towards genuinely not seeing, I, you know, I, I've said to the guys, I've been working on this for years. You know, this, this idea in my head going back to my previous business was like, why don't we get people to buy property in this way rather than lend against it? I've been through loads of different iterations. 
all different names, websites, ideas, investors, people I've been talking to about it for years. When the site finally went live, I said to people, right, we're at the start line. You know, we've made it to the start. Let's take a second, realize we're here, and now it's down to us. You know, there are businesses that I don't look upon. Um, I'm not kind of looking at those businesses thinking I wish I was them, but they're mm. doing a lot more than we are in certain aspects of the business. So I feel a lot like if we fail, it will be my fault rather than the market doesn't. You know, I, I feel I take responsibility for the whole firm. You know, if somebody does something stupid, messes up, does something wrong, then I'll be the, at the front of the queue saying, right, we fucked up, sorry, we'll fix it, you know. And when I say, you know, get something wrong, it could be something minor. You know, we've had spelling mistakes in an email before and people are quick to pick you up on that. It's fine, it's my fault. Whether I read it or not, or whether I um, am good at picking those things out, but it's my responsibility to ensure that we do things as, um, as professionally as possible. So tell us about your career, I guess, or your business journey up until getting to Turb, because I think that's quite an interesting and obviously I worked with you for a time, worked for you in fact, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm a part of it as well, but I mean literally from when you left school through to through I mean, to I'd Turb. have to pull up some notes, I'll try and remind you of, of how uh, great I was. all the things yeah, yeah, sure. that I've done. I mean, I left school extremely early, couldn't stand being at school at all, uh, hated every minute of it. In fact, it's all kind of coming back to life now, seeing my son, my eldest son, James, how much he loves going to school. It's just alien to me. Mm. Um, great for him. And that's what I want. I want him to go as far as he can, as far as he wants to. But I literally hated it for um, as long as I could remember. Um, left school. First job was in property. I worked for a company called Urban Spaces in Clerkenwell, which was owned by Green & Co. And so a a agency. Agency, yeah. Even yeah. you were an agent. Even I was an agent. Yeah. Know, yeah. Um, did your job many times over. Was never an agent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a background to that story, but <laughs> I say I was never an agent. No, you were an agent. You I, were I acquired for you, you at were one definitely point. Definitely not an agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not good enough for that. So, yeah, went into agency. My first job was, as I said, working for Urban Spaces, and it was. Just, kind of something clicked when I got there, which was that I didn't enjoy pounding the streets and, um, you know, kind of making teas and coffees, but I did start walking around properties that I'd just never seen before. So I was um, working with loft style apartments, kind of urban spaces. Mm -hmm. um, and I absolutely loved it. I was kind of fascinated by different properties. I mean, actually not too dissimilar from this. It's all kind of open plan, loft space. Loft, NWC, it's Queen's Park, space made, sponsor. Just putting it out there. Yeah. Thank you. I was going to say good, that. Good plug, yeah, yeah, but you know, I better do it. Yeah. Um, so, worked there and I think really early on, I was just kind of thinking, great, you know, this property's £500,000, but how am I ever going to buy it? Mm. You know, even if I had all that money, would I spend it myself on the property? And that sort of got me interested in mortgages and debt and at the time I was kind of eyes open to wow you can borrow so much money and it's not that expensive so um, yeah I was interested in also meeting developers at the time and understanding that someone had bought something for a million pounds spent a million pounds and now they were selling it for three million pounds thinking great again what do I need to do that where would I go what kind of credentials do I need and that, that was sorry to cut you off. But that was a particularly high time in the market. I mean, that's not as attainable now. Do you think or 
Yeah, definitely. Look, everyone says, oh, it was easy in my yeah, day. Was in my, yeah. oh, my parents' day. And they, you know, they had it easy because my mm. parents bought their first house for £22,000 and mm. sold it not long after for £44,000, kind of doubled their money. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, look, I can come on to that, but, you know, property throughout my sort of lifetime and then going back kind of in the, the relevant past has doubled and doubled and doubled and doubled again you know this kind of 20-year life cycle of property gaining value so yeah but I was entrepreneurial I was always entrepreneurial I remember going on holiday probably before that with some friends to Tenerife and ended up coming home with five sets of alloy wheels from some random shop that was next door our hotel me and my friend Adam um, which sat in my mum's garage for about five years. I don't think we ever sold or <laughs> attempted to sell any. I think we sold one set on eBay and they got returned. And mm-hmm. then we were just, you know, made some silly mistakes. But again, don't so it's essential really, isn't it? Yeah, it's essential. Yeah. Um, kind of flicked through some of the businesses I've been involved in. I opened a poker club in Camden. I remember uh, this. Called yeah, the yeah. Circuit, um, which was also a catastrophic failure in that I spent every penny that I'd made in my kind of early success um, really quickly, learned loads of lessons. I don't think I've repeated a lot of those mistakes. I enjoyed it. It was a good time in my life. I went from kind of my day job to my night job. I guess that, that business suited the age a bit, you think? Um, it was a bit, because, you know, I've worked in nightclubs for years, as you know, and I think that was more... I'm not, it it I'm felt not, like quick money, yeah. so I went for it. You know? I'm not a gambler, but I always looked at the casino thinking, this is a great business. I mean, people literally come to your table, they throw £10 and then they go. Yeah. Right, all day, mm. every day. Obviously, you don't build those big shiny buildings in Vegas for nothing. Mm. Um, so my kind of business head had this sense of, I don't really like playing poker, but everyone's into it. What about if we open a poker club? Um, you know, then we could have tournament tables and cash tables. That was my way of sort of being in with the poker guys that were my mates, but without actually having to play. Um, I was terrible at poker. I just don't have the patience for it. Um, it's like golf. I love it. But after five holes, I'm done. I just want to move on to something else. Um, and what else have I done? Um, so urban, urban, was it urban, urban London? Urban spaces. Spaces, poker club. Tenerife, the order's going to be a bit mixed up. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, keep, keep going. Um, okay, but when did when did the when did West One start, and how did you even get to to West One in the so first place? After and just to be clear, obviously West One is a complete bridging loan company. That's what it was. And um, when you it was when I was there. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of grown up a little bit into doing different sorts of mortgage products, but West One Loans was kind of similar to Tab. If you'd have asked me about it three years into West One, it would be a similar sort of story to Tab in that we started from nothing. We found a few investors that wanted to invest in the loans that we were doing. I mean, the way that started was I actually, in the end, went to work in my dad's office. He was a mortgage broker. Um, I went in to kind of help him and figure out how follow on from being interested in how these things are put together. My dad wasn't always a mortgage broker. So when I grew up, he was a kosher butcher. Um, so he had a big career change and I went through school, went and got a job as an agent. He started doing financial advice and then became sort of specialist in mortgages and we'd always got on very well. And I went to work in his office and pretty soon after I was looking at this bridging loan company that are in Manchester who still exists today, probably the largest lender in the country. 
and I managed to get onto the CEO, this guy called Mark, who's still a friend of mine, and just picking his brains about, you know, why can't I do this? And he said, if you do want to do this, I will help you set it up. I'll give you the lawyers and the valuers that you need to use, and we'll show you how the paperwork works. And if you want to start, you can, I had this name West One Loans in my head. And if you want to start, I'll let you use all of our documentation. Um, so you can take our name off the top, put West One Loans on the top with our kind of blessing, which is now kind of called white labeling. And, you know, happy for you to kind of present yourself as a lender. So when my dad had clients who were looking for mortgages, I was saying, well, let us, you know, if it was a bridging loan, let West One Loans try and do it. And we did a few loans as a branded, branded lender and built up a relationship with these valuers. And again, the valuers for the first deal I ever used, we still speak to you today. Um, the lawyer who acted on those first few deals is a kind of a friend of mine now and someone we still use as well. Um, so I've kind of collected, throughout my career, I've collected these people who I trust and who I've worked well with, who've kind of helped me to go on my journey and we'll continue to kind of grow together. Um, and then the first loan came, and then I met a guy called Mark who um, was introduced to me through an accountant. Because by this po point, I was kind of doing little deals and getting involved with stuff. Any money I made, I was still trying to look at what's the next move. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to someone today who's definitely very risk averse, um, who's got some money in the bank, who actually works for Tab, and was saying to me, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not that risk averse. And I was saying, look, just to give you an idea, these are the sort of things I was doing when I was, I was not shit or bust, but, you know, taking risk. You know, it wasn't like I was collecting this little pot of money and trying to slowly, slowly get to 65 where I'd have enough money to put my feet up. I, you know, I wanted to do it now. And, 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 and then you sold it. Yeah, I mean, so I mean that would be a very, very short version. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, through doing but one. That, sorry to cut you off, but how long was from when you started yeah. there? Through, so I think through, the first through, loan through we did was two thousand and seven. Uh huh. Um, and sold the business in two thousand and fourteen. Um, by that point, with a hundred and one million pound loan book and yeah. two hundred investors. Um, I met this guy called Mark through my accountant. He said, "Look, I've seen what you're doing." Um. Accountant tells me that, you know, you've got a good head on your shoulders. I'll come in and start funding these loans instead of the lender in Manchester. Sure. Uh, but I want a share of the business, which I gave him 25% of the company. And um, he started investing his own money. And I think the first loan we did with our own money was a 200 grand loan, 242 grand, I think it was, um, in Watford. It was a second charge on two flats. And you know, we learn how to execute the paperwork, which lawyers to use, where to apply pressure, how the numbers will work, you know, sort of made it up, fake it till you make it. Um, and then one loan at a time, things started to grow quite quickly. I think timing, partly through luck, partly through judgment was on our side. Development <coughs> was obviously huge as well at the, the time. Mark, yeah, yeah, I mean, banks stopped lending, the financial uh -huh. crash, everyone that had a facility to lend money was getting it pulled or tweaked or changed. Um, and we were kind of these new kids on the block saying, right, we want to, um, we want to lend money. So come and talk to us all secured on property. Obviously the difference between a secured loan and an unsecured loan is the easiest way to describe as like a credit card, um, where you owe the money personally, but they, they can't take any of your assets unless, um, you know, they go through the courts and find that you've got assets. And whereas with a property, um, 
if you don't pay, the property could be sold. And the kind of um, the health warning is your property may be sold if you don't keep up the repayments on your loan. Um, so if you get the valuation right and you lend the right amount to the right people, even if things go wrong, um, which inevitably they do. Um, You've got a default of a property. Yeah, and it's it's... Yeah, exactly. And it's a bit like this kind of, do you have any regrets? I mean, we had some dark days at West One where things went wrong and everything that you could imagine happened when we were um, in those kind of first five, 10 years. Properties burned to the ground while we had a charge on them. We had Mr. Defrauding Misses. We had lawyers running off with the money before they sent it to their clients. We had, you know, all sorts of crazy scenarios, but that allows me to make decisions and it allows me to make informed decisions now about... Um, would we do this loan and what are the risks here? Because it's not just property value loan, who are we lending to, does it work, yes or no? The business started to go really well um, and we sold, we the, there were four equal partners at the time, so my dad came on board, um, Stephen and I kind of started right at the beginning together, yeah. I was yeah, yeah, confiding yeah. in him about what this idea was and then Mark came and we divided the, the company 25% each between the four of us and when we got through to 2013, 2014, we all just had different ideas about where we wanted the business to go, um, which is interesting because what I've seen from, and I am interested in investing in businesses and buying businesses. I've got some kind of gray hairs in that regard now, but looking at a few right now, hopefully due to complete on a small business that we're buying very shortly um, and tr trying to understand what goes wrong. Even when there's a good business, sometimes things just don't click and it's normally money is the first thing people fall out over um but also then it becomes something that you never expected it and it's going off on on this journey um and then people think well i didn't want it to go that way i wanted it to go this way so people start to drift apart and that creates opportunity are you willing to disclose how much you sold your business for no okay fine it was we more than i mean no, no, I, I, yeah. I just, I, it's worth asking the question, but obviously yeah. it's completely up I to mean, you. It were, I mean, the business has gone through loads of different, I, so I sold the business in 2014. Um, my share was quite a few million pounds mm -hmm. um, over a two-year period. Okay. Um, so four equal partners. My dad and Mark left the business on day one. Uh, Stephen and I became managing directors of the lending operation and we got swallowed up by a bigger business. Sure. Um, then, then two years later, the business went through another transaction. So Stephen and I got half the amount of cash that my that the other two partners got, and equity in the group that acquired us. So it's almost impossible to say what the value of the what the actual was. value is. Yeah. Uh, every every one of the four of us, except bar Stephen and I, got completely different deals. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> it's not it's not that simple. But then the business kind of grew into this all encompassing business that had more than. Just so we then owned a share of Enra, um, and then that business late, latterly sold for like 150 million, and subsequently gone on to double or treble that valuation as well. Would you say selling that business and being out of it was your best day in business so far? No. What was? Um, today. It's fair enough. It's a great day. Yeah, it's a great it's day. Great day. You're doing a podcast with a, yeah. with a great company. No, I, I mean. I enjoy what I mean, I, do. I mean, listen, I mean, all, I mean, all jokes aside, but is, that, is there like a very... That. I mean, yeah, because I, I, I think I, I know what you mean. No, I don't know anybody or many people that have the, fr the sort of freedom that I have. Okay. I literally get out of bed and I do whatever I want to do. Yeah. If I 
don't want to go to the office or I do want to go to the office. I want to go on holiday. I want to see my friends or my kids or I just, I am free to do what I want to do. And I, I think it's very, very difficult to explain to people that aren't in that position um, what that's like. Mm-hmm. And all of the decisions that I've made in my life have got me to the point where I can, and I love get, I love the business. I'm, I really enjoy it. So I bounce out of bed at 5am every day to do a workout so that I'm in a good mood, so that I have a good day, so yeah. that the business can carry on. So you, you truly feel every day every day's getting better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 100%. That's interesting, that, because I, when I was thinking, obviously, and obviously I know elements of your career, I really thought that might be the one, that, that big day where you sold, because that would be the natural sort of default option. But, it's, but I, I prefer that attitude, what you're saying. I yeah. really do. I think it's, Look, it's, it's much more interesting. irrelevant and in it. the past, like I said earlier. Yeah. It's literally irrelevant. I mean, it's, you know, I don't want to dine out on the fact that I've built and sold a business once in 2016. No, I, I totally agree with that. But in, in terms of business, you've you've... It would be the worst it's, it's day a, ever a, if life didn't go well after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that was my next question. Do you have a worst day that you could pick out? No. You just don't, you don't see it, see a dramatic day that was like, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm on the edge here. No. That's very interesting. Don't feel that way at all. Not once, not in West, West One? You no. weren't on the verge of like, if we don't do the right thing here. No, the first... Like, or, or at least, is there, maybe I, not the worst day, but are there I said comparables to you jokingly to that? before that I went to bed at 5am every day for a long time. I... I went to work every single day yeah. for 15 years there wasn't a day where i like skived off and took a day off went missing i might have not got to my desk at eight or nine mm. i got there at 10 or 11 yeah but i went to my desk every day the first day um in 2016 where i pulled my duvet over my head and i was like i really really don't want to go there anymore i called danny and said i'm not coming back and he was like cool and why i'm surprised it took you this long and we worked through a thing and i never went back you know so I'm I'm quite um, decisive when I've decided that's it. I've got it in my head, and and like I said, now I don't have that. You know, I went through starting my own business and growing a business to then um, kind of having a boss and someone to answer to. And it's not, I guess, it's not for you. Yeah, it's not something I'm like particularly passionate about. But I just don't like being told what to do. You know, I'm not going to, especially when things aren't. You know, I don't have as much influence and, you know, my name's still above the door, but we're doing things that, not things that I didn't like or I didn't, it just, you know, I just didn't feel it anymore. So I packed up and left and I left a shit ton of money on the table. Like, however much I'd had times 20, um, if I'd have got my head down and played the game and done the right thing. Plus it was my baby, it was my business, I'd put blood, sweat and tears, I'd been, you know, everyone I'd ever spoken to knew that that's what I did and that's what I was good at. And, you know, I think a lot of people were saying to me, are you sure? You know, you've thought this through. It seemed to be going well last week. And I was like, it's just not for me anymore. I'm not going to do it. Do you, you know, you mentioned being decisive. Do you think that's your number one skill? Problem, in a, in, problem in, in, solving. A, in a business sense, yeah. yeah. I think I'm best when my back's against the wall. Yeah. Um, so I don't do stupid shit, but I do fight. You know, like fight to the death. I'm yeah. not. I'm not going to lose. I'm not interested in coming second or, or losing or scraping by. Like, I want to turn that negative into, a positive. You, when you say like backs against the wall, do you have to keep that mindset no matter what you do? Because I think I think that's really tough. I think some I think people can get complacent quite quickly. Yeah, I think, think it's difficult to do. Um, yeah, we've just had a monster month. 
Mm. You know, we're miles ahead of where I hoped we would be at the end of last year when things were going well. Um, I set some pretty crazy targets for this year and I sat down with the whole company and talked about this kind of 2021 vision, 22 and 23. Had it all mapped out, had a plan. Um, we are so far ahead of budget that, you know, part of me, in fact, we've got kind of drinks at the office to kind of say good quarter, guys. Part of me wants to sit back and pat myself on the back, um, but that just doesn't happen. I'm like, you know, our set head of sales, um, Nick, the sales director, I was kind of on the tip of my tongue to say like, great month, mate. And, you know, you've done a good job, well done. But literally, I'm just giving him shit about April. What's April going to look like? You know, I don't want to hear about how good March has been. I want to know that this wasn't a miracle and we haven't, yeah. you know, what we're doing about it. How so, we're going to make and sure. That, and that drive is always there. That man mentality is always there. Is there, how do I put this right? I think, uh, I don't have kids, but I can imagine that would be one of the biggest drivers for me in business and, fam and family life in general. Is is there any bigger driver for you the, than your kids? Or is there stuff that parallels yeah, to it? Yeah, being free. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I mean, someone used to talk to me about financial freedom and I just I would just shorten that into freedom. So like my kids, is like the, I guess a good way I can link the two together is when I left West One... Um, my son uh, split up with my wife and my son moved quite far away. And part of my reason for like just wanting my freedom more than ever is that I just, well, before he was started school, I wanted to spend as much time with him as possible. I didn't have to work, um, but I was in this frame of mind of working and we've been through one deal. And if I stay, it's going to be more and more and more and more. Um, but it wasn't that easy to just go on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Friday to go and hang out with him. Um, so I think part of my driver at that time was I'm going to go and hang out with James. I, I don't care about how much money I can make if I stay. I just want to spend more time with James. And that was really good for me. Like I, I'd said I'm not working Fridays anymore. That's it. Like f Until James goes to school, not working Fridays. And even now I leave, um, I leave work at two o'clock on a Tuesday and Friday. Um, and it was good for me. I was like, okay, cool. I didn't actually need any more money or any money at all, as long as I've got a car and I can go and, and hang out. So, yeah, it sort of tried something new, felt strongly about it, tried something new and then doubled down on it because it was good for me. And that also meant that during my Monday, Wednesday and Thursday, I was on it because I knew that, you know, I could do what I want. And I'm here on Monday because I want to be here. And yeah, no, no, I think it's a good answer. Good. I think I think it, it keep it really, that one in there. It, yeah, yeah. Well, it relates to the point. I, I want to um, go a bit further with the kids thing, if you don't mind. Please do. Um, I <clears> always <throat> wonder if and when the wealth comes my way, how I'd manage my kids and what I present to my kids as far as what luxuries I would present uh, and what wealth I would present to, frankly, make sure that they have the same drive, say you would have or I would have to some extent, because I do, you know coming from a background where I went to school that was quite privileged you see, you see a mix mm. um, and it's a real fine balance I just wondered like do you think about that because you're, yeah, you're someone who's so you know if, if without blowing smoke up your ass you're so driven and, and do it in such a good way and it's quite impressive do you how what do you think about that and, and yeah what's, I think what's about it a lot uh, I just want my kids to treat others the way they want to be treated yeah you know like I, I feel strongly in getting the basics right yeah you know I'll say please and thank you and actually hold the door open for someone because not that's what you've been trained to do because you want them to, you know, you, you want to kind of be a nice person. Um, even before I had any money and 
you know, moving forward, I've always kind of had this attitude. I walk around and I say, hi, 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 hi. Like go to the shopping mall, like, mm-hmm. hi, how's your day? How's it going? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess as a kid, I went through, I guess talking about it's making me think kind of why this has all come about. But I, I get this feeling that I wear, like, I wear a hoodie and I wear my hood up all the time. And like, I just always have. And it can be intimidating. You know, if yep. you walk down the street, I know how to put like a screw face on. Like, do not approach me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, you I, do, yeah. Yeah. So if I walk down the street with that face on, then you kind of attract negative shit. Yeah. You know, if you put your head down and you're looking at someone like, you know, the first thing you say is like, what? And it's like, what do you mean, what? You know, what? If you walk down the road and you go, hey, how you doing? People are like, yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, they're taken back, you disarm them. Uh, And that's really what I want to teach my kids. Like pushing this kind of positive energy out. Yeah. Whether you're driving a Ferrari or you're driving a Ford, just be nice. Be respectful. Not because you're told to be respectful, but because you want to get that. So I I think I'm pretty tough on my kids. Um, Yeah, and you think that's needed? I think it's, I just think it's me, like the way that I deal with stuff. I've always done kind of, do what I say, not what I do, um, because I'm not trying to teach anybody to do things the way that I've done them. But then again, you say you go about your business day to day, and you're, you like to be quite positive and, and, yeah. and respectful to people. Yeah, so and I believe I am, and I be- and I'm trying to be conscious. Some days I'm snappy, mm-hmm. um, but most people that know me well enough will know he's in a snappy mood, and you know, don't ask him now, ask him later. Yeah. Um, but if some. I think also, if, you know, if I kind of look at my friends and my peers, I want my kids to be similar in the respect that I've got, you know, maybe five or 10 really, really, really close friends. I would hope that if they needed something, I'd be the first person they called. Um, and if they did, I would be there. Yeah. You know, how, whatever it was, something small, something big, I would want them to feel like they could call me wherever I've lived in all my houses. I've kind of had this open door policy. Mm-hmm. Like, Come and go as you please. Um, that's kind of what I want my kids to do. So you're not necessarily so concerned with what luxuries they get or, or the knowledge of wealth that they may may or may not have. It's much more how they go about it and the temperament they have within it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's a good way to put it. Is property boring? Uh, no. Could you elaborate on that? Because it's, it's got a bad rap, I think. Has I think, it? I think, I think a lot of I think property think in the past boring. was boring, but it could be more exciting. The reason it's boring is because it's not accessible to everybody. Yeah. So it's like, oh, great if you can buy a property, but I'm never going to get on the property ladder, so I'm just bored. Um, I think it's you about... You put it in the boring industry category, like it's put, because I know especially people in construct like construction is considered quite boring even though I think when you look when you get involved in it it's I think it's quite a, yeah like from my perspective I own a company and what that company does is interesting and mm-hmm. how we grow how we treat people how we treat our staff that stuff's all cool and interesting and don't forget people spend 90% of their waking life at work with their colleagues mm-hmm. um so I try to make it as interesting as possible for myself and for our customers and for everybody um, I don't think if I was if I was selling cookies, I think we'd be a pretty similar business. Um, so the business would be as exciting as it is now. Um, I think the product is. I think it's it's also quite slow. Uh, it can be quite slow. I agree so with that, you know, sure. if you buy a property and it goes up in value, it can take five years. You know, that would be quick. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, it is slow. Um, but you know. 
I don't think many people get to do what they love and what they enjoy as their job. So I, don't, I just don't think it's boring. Like it, it interests me. Every single property is different. Um, and that is interesting to me. And also I think people forget that you, what is property? It's somewhere for people to live. Uh, it's somewhere for people to work, somewhere for people to gather, hang out, drink, um, learn, play games. You know, so every property is different in that respect. And I don't think it's boring. And I resent you saying that. I apologize. I just think, you know, some of the kids today think it's kind of boring. Um, although is podcasting boring? Uh, no, I find podca podcasting fascinating. Why? Because uh, I think... Today I'm interviewing Michael Barclay-Smith. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the roles are reversed. <laughs> but I just think it's fascinating. Like, I think conversation, like the whole, like, Babylon, my whole Babylonian media, like, outlook is apart from some of the mottos I told you, is to educate through conversation. I think it's the best way to do it. I think if you want to touch on... Why can't you, you can do that with property, right? Maybe, maybe. I'd, I'm more asked the question because there is, there is a bit of a mixed opinion about it. You've got some sort of consensus that's for the cowboys and it's a bit of a joker industry. Every industry. It would, so I would, that would be my next words out of my mouth. I agree with you on that point. Um, all that naysay kind of pissing all over whatever business it is or whatever it is you do those are just people that have got nothing better to do with their time than talk about why it's um negative yeah and if those people will say that about everything they'll probably say that about football you know about the theater about all these sorts of things that some people that's oh, boring shit rubbish so in other words they're just not very good at it it's not for them uh, not interested not interested is it do you think there's any true secret to to property or is it just is it just graft? Um, there is no substitute for experience in any industry. Mm -hmm. Um, so the secret is experience. I think, um, you can't go and appraise a site accurately unless you know shit about the area and the people, and the council and the current owners and the potential future owners and the flat sizes, the market, mm -hmm. you know, you just, you, there is a lot of stuff that you just can't learn in a book and if you did learn it in a book by the time you get ready to do it in the real world it will have changed um so i think the secret recipe is that i i'm more of a believer now in playing the long game just generally um so i think the secret is sticking at it working hard so when people sell these property courses yeah and they say the secret to earning x is whatever and they don't let it and then you buy a course it makes it makes me wonder because I agree. I think I don't think there's any true secret to property in particular. Mm. Um, what, I think I mean, you and I. I, 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 I think, mean, so, yeah. sorry before before you do say anything. I, I want to say that I'm not against courses, but I do see a lot of shit out there. And I even yeah. interviewed a couple of people who sell other types of courses, and they're generally considered quite good, and they actually bring some value to it. And I'm even interviewing a guy next week who does a property course. Um, but I just wondered what you thought about the whole, you know, I think, that whole, that whole yeah. sector now. I think it, a bit really differently evolving. now. If you ask me now, I'd say something slightly different to what I would have said before. And the reason is I went on Clubhouse recently. Mm -hmm. um, you know, first time, went on it, set up a bridging name group, had a great conversation, quite enjoyed it actually, just haven't got around to doing it again. Mm -hmm. And a couple of people reached out to me through Instagram. One guy particularly that I can remember said, look, I'm happy to have an inter like have a chat with anyone, set up a video call, we'll talk it through. Met this kid who basically said that he'd been on a course and I was a bit more in your camp than maybe mm -hmm. I am now, which is like, what'd you do that for? How much do you waste on that? 
And he said, it was amazing. I learned this, I got connected with agents, I got connected with a builder, bought a property in Sheffield, I got a mortgage through their broker. And, and I was thinking, what I've always preached is why don't they teach you this stuff at school? Yeah. Why don't you come out of school with how much is it going to be? How much is my mortgage payments going to be? Where do I get a mortgage from? How much can I borrow? How much deposit do I need? How much is stamp duty? Where do I find a good lawyer? Like the basics. Um, so because I'm quite a resourceful person, I mean, now it is much, much easier with the internet. You can literally, uh, why anyone would pay for it baffles me, but the pe but people that have paid for it do get something out of it. And I just think it would it would be wrong to kind of tarnish that training um, mentality. Look, I don't you, like you don't I don't like statement that you don't want yeah, to say everyone's. No, correct, I don't but. like this get rich quick kind of follow me and I'll show you how to get rich. Yeah. Like, I just think that is annoying and utter rubbish. Yeah. Um, but take a course to learn the fundamentals about a particular subject that you're interested in, I think is a good idea. You know, that's what I didn't have when I was at school. It was like you need to learn about this nonsense, this nonsense, and this nonsense. And if you question me about how much of this is going to be useful in your future life, the answer is probably none of it. Yeah, you didn't go to university, did you? No. Do you see, it's sort of a two-sided question. Do you do you care about CVs that much when you hire people? Or, I mean, it's 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 an element, but it's not huge, or, or it really matters to you depending on what the job just is. Only and, and does university as a result matter as well to you or not? Not or to not me. Really? Um, but through the process, it probably would be um, through, you know, now I don't meet people until a later stage in the process. Um, I'm only interested in meeting good people. I, I literally couldn't care less kind of where you went to uni or how successful it was. I just want to know if you understand what we're doing, if you're engaged in it, if you're committed, if you're going to fit in with the team, if you've got anything to add. Um, we're not about kind of putting bums on seats and we're definitely not about hiring Oxford grads who are going to be... But that, that isn't to say if you're an Oxford grad, we don't you want to. You because but yeah. I just want good people. You know, I'm only interested in good people and a level of experience if that's what's required. But from but lesser experience for the better person, you're not opposed to at all. Just yeah, I mean, I've hired quite a few people um, over the last year or two that have approached me and said, "I like what you're doing. I want to get a job." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. We're not hiring at the moment, but let's have a chat." Um, and through progressing that chat over a long period of time, um, two or three people have ended up working for the firm and become amazing employees because, let me explain it a different way. I've always said if you're, if you've got a job, you should be knocking on the door of the person that runs that company and saying, hi, I'm Duncan. I just want to let you know I work here. I'm keen to do a great job. If there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Now I'm in the sales department. I'm doing really well, but I want to do better. Can you give me any hints and tips? Um, I really want to grow. I want to progress in this business. As a business owner, I'm thinking the people that knock on my door and ask me for something are more likely to get it because I know they want it. They've got the courage to ask for it. And um, then you'll get the, the guy in the corner who says, well, I never, get, I never get a raise. I never get the opportunity to move. Um, but no one knows that because you haven't asked for it. You haven't kind of told anyone. So I'm looking for those type of people. Do you, do you like sales? Love sales. Favourite part of the business, really? I think, yeah, I think problem solving is kind of selling as well. Yeah. Um, I'm a deal junkie. Like the reason I'm not high-fiving about the last deal that we did or how good our month was, because I'm just, you know, I just want to be better. I want to do another deal. Um, I remember loads of the deals I've done. 
And it's definitely not just about how much money we made or how big the deal was. It's like the thrill of, it took me three years to meet that person, nurture them, get them into the right position until they needed me and I was the right person for them to call at that time. Mm. That to me is all kind of sales. Um, <clears throat> but I do love kind of putting me on a cold call and I'm, I'm the kind of, I'll, I'll sh again, do it. Do as I say, not as I do. So I wouldn't encourage people to maybe hold a conversation in the same way that I would. Um, but I absolutely love that. One of my first jobs was working for a company called exhibitions.com. <clears throat> I worked for a guy called Eric. And on my first, I didn't know what I was going to do because I just needed a job. And Eric said, come work for me at exhibitions.com. I was like, cool. And he basically, when I got there, he basically sellotaped the phone to my hand. <laughs> um, and so when you put it down... All I could do was pick it up and dial yeah, another, and number. another number. And yeah. he, he said to me, every person that says no is one closer to the person. If, if, it, if, you, if one out of 100 says yes, you want to get through 99 as quick as you can. So everyone that says no, you want to be like, yes, got another no. One step closer to getting a yes. And that's that kind of no fear of failure that I think is what sales is about. It doesn't matter if yeah. you're not interested or if you don't like me or if you don't want to deal with us. It doesn't matter. Have a great day. Hope to see you soon. Um, also, people don't get on with everyone. So I'm a snob for only dealing with people that I really like. I'm just not interested in working, like sucking up or saying the right things. You know, I'm not going to go wearing a shiny suit because that person's expecting me to come in a suit. I think I'm good at what I do. Happy to be um, proven otherwise or picked up on things that I could do better. But I'm not going to like nod and smile and try and do the right thing to to do a deal i want to do a deal because we've done a fucking great job do you, you know you touched on on that guy you met with one of your first jobs do you think you've been quite lucky in the sense of who you've met along the way and what you've been taught that's given you that grounding and that's i guess that's a mix of failing businesses but also some people you've met on the way mental you make your own luck you truly believe that in every aspect 100 percent yeah, we just had a you discussion. Could come across, so I'm kind just of had a discussion you, offline. Someone, no, it's complete chance, surely. Yeah, but how did you come across them? Did you get up early? Did you go that direction? Did you hope that you might bump into someone? Mm -hmm. Did you hang out there every day until you met them? Did you meet someone else when you were on the way there that made you know? Look, if you stay in bed all day, you're not going to bump into anyone that could change your life. So you're very prepara preparation meets opportunity. That's that's luck, whatever just, that is putting that kind of positive opportunity out there. Mm. Um, you, know, you, so if, you would say you got in front of that first, that first job because you were proactive, therefore 100%. it's not luck, it's simply I got myself in front yeah. of it. Yeah, bullshit. Luck is rubbish. Absolute Don't believe nonsense. In it at all. I believe in making your own luck. The harder I work, the luckier I get, I think is a good, um, good way to put it. That's a very good way to put it. Um, do you do you just talking on the property? You like that one? Yeah, yeah, he liked it. <laughs> um, talking about property, do you do you think the bubble will burst soon? Do you think do you think there's a crash coming? It goes up and down. Oh, it's definitely definitely going to go up and down. Um, I'm not but in with respect. That's quite ambiguous. Do you, what I'm what I'm trying to pinpoint is: Do you feel because I personally feel the the money supply is so if you take a snapshot so odd, in time, we're in no. danger of absolutely having a massive crash. I mean, in 10 years' time, if we sit back in this room, property will be worth more than it is worth today, in my view. And if you, and that, that's the way I see it. It's about timing. Um, so, 
if you buy a property now and in six months time it's worth less half um it's only matters if you're desperate to sell it if you if you bet the farm on that property being worth more in six months time if you position yourself well and you buy something that's versatile where okay i can't get a residential tenant because this has gone wrong but i can get a commercial tenant and i've got cheap enough finance that i can hold it for three years then it will come good that's my view um if it's going to be worth less in six months or not i don't know um i i and also the most important part of this is you can't just apply a broad statement like that to property so look at london specifically yeah. then look at birmingham manchester big cities then look at different parts of the country infrastructure hs2 um you know fresh employment or downturn employment i think there will undoubtedly be areas that will suffer um people expecting to get their jobs back after furlough won't have a job to go back to you can imagine that could be one big employer that's laid off 10,000 people it's going to have an effect on that microclimate um, but if you look at London just from where we are now Queen's Park to Kilburn to Marlebone to Cricklewood and West Hampstead Hampstead you know all of these little places could and will be affected in different ways but for me to say property is going to be worth less I don't think it's as simple as that you know commercial property versus residential property then offices shops warehouses you know if you look at warehouse space it's likely to continue growing you know logistics people don't want to go out and get stuff now because they can do it on their phone and it will come to their door next day so that market is definitely going to increase it's going to continue to do well um but there will be other areas like um you know some you know flats with outside in the same location a new build block of flats without balconies and with balconies will suffer differently you know people's mentalities shifted and i think it would be crazy to say i just don't believe that the market is going to crash i think there will be areas that are affected and i think some areas um where there's where there's misery there's kind of opportunity okay um okay uh, what keeps you up at night duncan uh, genuinely, yeah, nothing really. Really, yeah, sleep quite you well. Can, you, you Especially can't. as I get up early. Yeah. No, I'm happy to like. I enjoy dealing with the things that need attention. Like I said, I'm happy when my back's against the wall. Yeah. Um, and I also sleep quite well, you know, because I've not done anything wrong. I've not done anything where I should be looking out my window and thinking. You know, from early on, like I said about my kids, treat people the way you want to be treated. I've really, really practiced that for a very, very long time. I, you know, people might say, oh, he's a bit prickly if they've met me once or twice. Um, but people who know me that have worked with me, I don't think many, I mean, ask you that. I don't think people would have a, a bad word to say or like a negative. No, I don't. I, I, um, think, I think you you explained yourself quite well to me. I think you're right yeah. to have the introspective point of view of yeah i can have my moments i can be prickly prickly at times but it's not my genuine intention i'm not that sort of character i think yeah. that's pretty pretty yeah point. so i'm not so i'm i'm accepting of the fact that the more i do and the more i wind people up the more i put out there um the more loans we write the more properties we buy the more problems we're going to have mm. um nothing keeps me awake at night business or, or, or life okay um Quite favorite favorite book I'm not a reader at all. Audiobook? Um, 
I'm not a reader, um, but I have listened to a few books more recently. The Lean Startup, where I just found at the time in my life was really useful. Mm -hmm. Talking about build, measure, learn, um, which is this kind of ethos of this, how to start a tech startup. But actually that resonated quite a lot with my life, um, which is things just don't have to be perfect. Don't need to build up to this perfect launch. It's okay to be average at some things. And I think where people can improve is say, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, good question. I don't know the answer. Let me go away and find out. And if you say that, make sure you come back. Um, I think there's loads of areas I could improve. Favourite movie? Doesn't have to be uh, business related at all. I just always like to ask these sort of questions. Um, I'm a documentary kind of guy. Okay. Anything in particular? Not right now. <laughs> okay. Has your head. has your attitude changed? I don't really work? watch TV at all. You don't have time for it. To be honest, I don't. Um, I don't like watch shows or. I don't watch much at all. I really don't. Anything that's better? Considering no, you, I just don't. You're just, I just, you're just not no, that guy. I definitely don't think it's better. I just don't. You say I don't have time. I mean, I. It's I imagine you the don't to some extent. In a month, I haven't had my phone in my hand because Katrina's holding it for me. Does it feel good? Not really. Uh, no. Damn, we thought, we thought we'd no. you'd enjoy it. Has your attitude to work changed? And I, what I mean by that is, was it what about money now? It's about much more. Is there even that philosophical thing or you're still about your bottom line? I'm more about the long game now. Well, I always had kind of three big goals. I wanted to have a Porsche when I was 25. I wanted to have a million pounds in the bank when I was 30. And I wanted to have 100 million pounds. That was what, that was have you done the first my goals year? at school. And and then it was and then I was like I want to do it quicker I want to do it faster and I want to get there you know quicker and firstly now those goals are just meaningless I mean fortunately I've had a Porsche I've driven it all around Europe I've done things that I never thought I would get the opportunity to do and then you realise um, it's not all it's cracked up to be it's better to be happy and healthy and you know kind of obvious things but also you know today I didn't go to the office my kids on half term kept yeah. both boys home went to the park went for a walk like that is more rewarding um and also i don't have a fear of failure so i don't actually care whether i get there or not i just want to enjoy the journey um so i'm less focused now on the destination um you i just, do you just I want to enjoy the very process, really, very very much for the moment yeah. um but i'm also playing the long game in that i'm aware that now that i've been through 10 or 20 years of business i'm aware that these things will come up and you know something that you've said or something that you've done will come up um and so i think it's much more interesting to um have this freedom that i cherish that i've got at the moment and the fact that i use it for what i think is a kind of good purpose is is great do you do you think <sighs> Do you think business brings you genuine happiness? And that's quite a philosophical question, but I just, I just, I like I'm, being, I'm, I'm interested yeah. because I think it's such a big part of people's lives. Yeah, I, I mean, I, okay, a couple of things. Firstly, I just don't get this, like, are you happy? I just, I yeah. don't get it. Uh, I just think it's just stuff and nonsense, basically. Um, go, go on, go on, elaborate on that. But, uh, okay, so when, when I sold my business, I guess you have conversations in the pub, like if you won the lottery, what would you do? Mm-hmm everyone's had those conversations and when i sold my business it was very much like winning the lottery you know millions of pounds showed up in my bank account and although i knew we had something valuable 
I still, um, I guess, didn't really believe that someone would want to buy it and that they would transfer the money. And I definitely had this moment of like, I've won the lottery. Uh, I was in Dubai with my friend on holiday. I remember where I was, um, literally refreshing my bank accounts. I've been told we've completed. And, and I was like, I just turned to my mate, Chris. I was like, I've just won the lottery. And he said, what do you mean? I was like, look, I've, actually, I've won the lottery. <laughs> and then I was thinking, right, what am I going to do in my life? Do I actually want to go to Thailand, smoke weed all day on the beach? Or am I going to sit margaritas for the rest of my life? Because if I do want to do that, now's the time to seriously think about it. Um, and then I was like, I mm -hmm, don't really want to do that. I'm going to get bored. Um, so what do I want to do? And so I think, I mean, business and, the, and business has changed. My business has changed and I like creating things. And also I like having this team and this family of people that are kind of all together. And that's changed a lot since I started Tab. So now the business is doing things without me having to make every decision, which is a great for the business because it means the business can continue to grow without me having to make every single decision. Um, but it's also good for everybody that's involved. You know, they're growing up and, and moving forward. I've got more freedom so I can take more time to do the things I want to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's quite broad to say that about business, but I really enjoy it. Yeah. I, otherwise, I wouldn't do it. But, but when you're saying you think, oh, are, are you happy f is a bunch of fluff. Surely, surely, you, surely you appreciate, okay, I'll, the best way I could put it is, I, I know the, the term, well, are you happy? Or what does this bring you happiness can be, can be a bit fluffy. But there's definitely at least an element of you are clearly personally, internally satisfied by what you are doing with yourself day to day in every aspect of your life, or at least the majority of aspects of your life. So that to me is a version of happiness. Yeah. Uh, and that's, so maybe the term is perhaps the wrong way to put it, but sh sh you must get a deep amount of gratification about what you do right now. That's essentially what you're saying. Right? Yeah, it is what I'm saying. I guess it's just this kind of therapy style. Are you happy? Yeah. You know, are you really happy? Well, what? Because you think if, just, you, if, you, like, if you well, question if I, it all the time too yeah. much, it's like, well, you're always going to find some yeah, sort of exactly. problem. exactly. And I'm super positive. I, yeah, you know, I, and I'm also, as I said, like I wouldn't be doing this right now if I didn't want to. No. So what's the point in... Look, I, I appreciate it's maybe slightly different for me and the way that I look at it is it doesn't really matter if I feel happy right now. What I'm thinking is what do I need to do to improve? And when I say improve, I don't mean improve so that people look at me and think I'm better. It's like what makes me yeah, happier, maybe. Or at least not unhappy, I guess, is the point. Yeah. So, I mean, the way you talk sometimes, I do wonder, do you ever think like you'll, you'll stop? Do you think you'll ever be satisfied? Do you think there'll be that moment where you I go, okay. I am satisfied. No, I know, I, know yeah. you, I know you are. Yeah. Um, I, don't want, I don't want to be too broad. Retire. Out. Yeah, well, retire, so to speak. Or do you think... You'll always want that in your life. No, I think I'll always want it in my life. I can't tell you the amount of countless hours that I spend with people who want to pick my brains. Like, it's out of control. Business idea, existing business, got a problem with my partner, I want to raise money, I've lost money, I need help, I need advice, I need support. I do find it, it surprises me that people are always asking me these questions and I'm always quite vocal. Um, but that, that's kind of selling or business as well. You know, I want to be, um, I kind of like that. Um, so I can well, you imagine... You mean that you're, you're the go-to for a lot of people for... 
Well, I'm not the go-to, but I'm but, but a yeah, go-to, a go-to. Maybe, yeah. Um, I, like, I like being busy. I don't, if I wanted to go to Thailand now and sit on the beach, and I could. If I wanted to go for a week or a month or a year, then I could. So I don't, I wouldn't say never, but the way I feel at the moment, I'm happy to just keep going and kind of doubling down on things that are good for me. I don't have this kind of, if I got to 100 million and I got there tomorrow, I wouldn't be like, right, I'm done, game over. Yeah, there's no magic, num- there's no magic number no. or North Star or whatever you want to put it. No. But I mean, do you have a, do you have a North Star for Tab in particular? Is there, is there a dream aim? Dream aim for me is just while I'm enjoying it and while I think we can, um, I'm not in it like having sold a business before, I'm not in this, I don't have a vision of if we get to this point then I want to sell the business and what my vision of that looks like. I love the fact that it's under my control and um, that we're doing, you know, like I said, it's not just my mouth. I've also put all of my money into this. Um, I've spent every penny myself. Every time we've made a profit, I've employed someone better than before. Every time we've employed someone good, it's dented how much we've made. And, you know, I've had these conversations with people that I trust and, and also myself, like, okay, we're in a good spot now. Now let's keep going. You know, what are we trying to do here? Not, you know, make a good living and have a nice little business. I want to, I believe that people want to own property in their phone. You know, that they can walk down, that they can have £10,000 invested in 10 different properties where they don't have a mortgage, an accountant, a solicitor, and all these, like, busybodies in that have, for since the days that have gone past, have always had, that's the way you do it, and, you know, you have to do it this way. I just don't believe, I believe that there is change coming, um, and therefore it's exciting. Um, I mean, speaking of change, do, do you think, do you think, People will be buying property with crypto before we know it. Yeah. I mean, is it, has it happened already? Yeah. Is, it, is it happening? Yeah. I mean, crypto fascinates me just because I feel like I've always been in um, finance of some description. Mm. Um, I like the like I like understanding the system of how it works. I mean, we're a kind of financier. We take people's money, we lend it to other people, we charge them interest, we pay them a return. I think everybody in the cycle wins. The guy that's borrowing money has got a good deal from us and we've managed to help him um, deliver something that he couldn't do elsewise. And for investors, they're making a better return than they're making in other places and they enjoy working with us. And if they feed back to us, we make changes. Um, But, I mean, blockchain is a very, very good idea and makes a lot of sense. And when you apply it to um, currency or even to tokenizing an asset, which is where I think probably the best use case is just because that's my sphere of interest um it it makes a lot of sense and also just you know i don't really love the fact that the bank of england can just go downstairs and print more money yeah and then just tick up everybody's accounts to like it doesn't feel right to me i don't like it i like the fact that we're in this system we live in a country where people aren't lying dead in the streets because they don't have a job but it also makes a big mockery of the whole, you know, print 100 million, actually just print 200 million while you're down, while you're down there because you'll be back next week. And then... But, but what makes, all this what makes that different to... What makes crypto different, in your opinion? Because because arguably it's all, I'm not, it's so, all, I'm not it's all something crypt- out of thin, yeah. thin air. Really, I'm not saying it? crypto versus, um, versus the Bank of England. I'm just saying it's different. Yeah. And it's not controlled by 
old men sitting yeah. around a table who yeah. are deciding our future. And it's it, not institutional. It's it inclusive. Have that. Yeah. It's um, there's, you know, it does things that the banking system doesn't do, like transferring money really quickly to people without having to go through the sideways. It's leveraging technology, which is better um, in some respects than the existing technology. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it interests me. Where it's going to settle, I couldn't tell you yet. Like what the real opportunity for me is or what really excites me, I don't know yet, but I think the world is better for having it. And I suppose you hope to incorporate it into TAB sooner rather than later? Or? I mean, I wake up some mornings and yes, I don't want to distract from the fact that we are, you know, securing our investments on real assets in the UK. I mm. just, I, that's the most important thing. Um, but we've actually built the technology on a version. So Amazon Web Services provide almost all of the technology um, that we offer to our customers. We just take the bits we want and we package it up. But we've built it in there. They've got a new database systems called QLDB, which is basically like a, um, a centralized blockchain. So it's not a decentralized blockchain. It's not being updated and amended by anyone who wants to for a return. Um, but it is this blockchain mentality, an immutable ledger. Um, and that, to me, in a finance business, makes a lot of sense. It's a kind of halfway step to we understand this technology and we think it's good for our customers, but we're not just going to jump on the gravy train because um, I think if we opened up and said we're a blockchain company or we're this or that, we'd have some really positive effect and we could also damage what we've got already. So I think we've got time on our sides in that respect. Yeah, I, uh, I agree with that. I think it'd be very risky at this stage for you, yeah. for you to take it on. Uh, final question is Amazing. well, actually, before we do that, a couple couple things. Well, you're happy. What you happy to go? I'm done. You don't want to stay here forever. No, happy to come back one day. But um, well, first I would say, tell us uh, website where, where people can find you, and also, would you be open to at one stage maybe us doing a live stream and we try and get a few people to pitch you a couple of ideas or something yeah, along those lines? Absolutely, I would absolutely love that. Um, I think I'd be good at it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I also um, am happy to put my money where my mouth is as well. So yeah. if we find a gem and we think it's a good idea, I'm happy to jump in kind of Dragon's Den style. Cool. If that's what you're I talking about. I'd, yeah, yeah I'd, I think it would be good to do something like that. I'd, I did want to stress to anyone who watches or listens that you, you are particularly collaborative and you're very open to speaking to anyone, which 100%. I think is really great and really, really, really important. Yeah, I mean, so, I'm sure I've got, I've got so many domains that it's almost embarrassing, but I've got a domain that was, I think, prevc.com or something like that. So in other words, like before you go for venture capital, come and talk to us about... Yeah. getting started at the early stages. I think people get um, really bogged down with starting a company and opening a bank account and and starting a website and what I would consider to be the basics. Like I've woken up at midnight, had a good business idea and registered a domain and started a website before anybody's woken up before on a number of occasions. Went on a skiing holiday and created a site called ski1000.com <laughs> or something where I wanted to ski a thousand kilometers in a day. I don't know what I was thinking, but... I like the idea of just getting on with it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm happy to do that. What was the first part of the question? Uh, before just contact. The last question? Where, where can people contact you? Um, I remember going on a podcast once and giving my email address and just and getting laughed at. What, you got a ton of emails? No, I just, just got, got laughed at. Like, I, who I, gives their email address? I mean, email's dead. Like, don't you want people really? to DM you? And no, I was like, I'd say how email. old am I? Surely email or, or yeah, yeah tab Instagram? Yeah, tabhq.com, T-A-B-H-Q.com. Mm -hmm. um, 
you can sign up as an investor. It doesn't cost you anything. You can come online, see everything that I've told you about Tab, and please tell me what you think about it. And you can email me DK, which is my initials. Duncan Krieger, that is. Duncan, Duncan Krieger. Krieger. Um, okay, cool. DK at tabhq.com. What's your Instagram, just so people know? Duncan Krieger. Duncan Krieger. Yeah. Okay, cool. Final question is, um, what do you hope for on your deathbed? I saw you'd ask this question, actually. I yeah, I think it's an important one. I'm ha- I'm, I'll be content if I go today. Really? Yeah. Fucking hell, what an answer. Go on, tell us why. Just, I, um, like, I'm living, you know, I always joke, I like say to my mum and to people, like, I might not be here tomorrow. So I actually do kind of have, I'm more aware of the fact that I'm definitely going to die at some point in the next 50 years. Um, one thing's for sure, I'm not going to be here. Uh, in 100 years, everybody on this planet will be dead. Everyone. Um, so there'll be a whole lo- load of new people. And also I've got more interested in the solar system and space and just how irrelevant and we are to, like, you, if you go up in a drone in Queen's Park, in about four seconds, we'll just be lost. Yep. You'll see the park, you won't even see a whole house, and you go up a bit further, before you know it, you'll just be like, we are on a ball of rock endlessly spinning in infinite amount of space. Um, so I'm kind of living my life expecting that, obviously I'm hoping not to die and like today, um, but I accept that life is fragile and I've had friends and family and people have died and you sort of, sort of get older and start thing. okay, well, so there's nothing, I'm not thinking, that I don't really have a bucket list. Like if, I, if I had something that I really wanted to do, um, oh, it dawned on me that I haven't- Haven't done it before you go. Haven't done it before, and thing, I just yeah. get on with trying to book it and also, yeah, I mean, that's how so, I feel. I, it just, I, I don't know, I watched like three seconds and that was the question you, you were asking. three seconds of my podcast. Yeah. It was your latest video on YouTube. <sighs> Thanks, mate. Yeah, great. Real real good fan here by, <laughs> by Duncan Krieger. Um, so just had a do, podcast. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. I sat down in the pub and told you about it. Uh, so just elaborating on that because Duncan's getting a bit prickly and I'm impa- impatient. He's done. Let's go. So you, you're kind of half answering the question. I guess the point would be is, do you, does it bother you what you would be remembered for? Or do you hope you could be remembered for something? I mean, it's a bit late to worry about that now. Why? Because I'm because I'm aware that I could go tomorrow. So but at the same time, you say every day you can improve and, and change. So yeah. There's more to that. I think. I think that's with respect to you. I think that's a. Yeah, I don't. I. I mean, just. Like my attitude, if someone was asking me that, would be um, well, just someone just, is. Yeah, just make sure that you, you know, that I think both things are true. I'm aware that I could go tomorrow, and that I'm happy with the legacy that I've left behind. Like how people would think of me, how they would remember me, what my kids would say about me, what my exes would say, my friends, my whoever it may be. Um, I can't change that bit. I can improve moving forward. Um, but I'm not going to be thinking like if I what can I do right now to improve my legacy. I'm not really thinking that way, at all. So you just don't really give a shit. Not really. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, just, I'm, I'm taking no. the risk, but I do get it. I, I, don't, I, I think I don't, you're one of the first people I met who truly isn't. Well, at least the people we've interviewed who t- truly doesn't see that question as a real, you know, profound thought. It's just more. It, it is what it is, sort yeah. of thing, which I think is another almost profound in itself. Um, which is quite interesting. 
Um, all right, mate. Well, listen, thank you for doing it. I really appreciate it. It's uh, really good, great answers. And uh, we'll see you soon. Cheers, mate.